We want to welcome you to the First Pulpit Podcast with Pastor Brent Snook. We truly hope that the message will bring you the encouragement you need today. After you listen, we'd appreciate it if you take a few moments to rate and review the podcast. When you do, you'll be encouraging others to listen so they can discover the saving power of the gospel through God's Word. Bibles turn to Luke chapter 18 this morning. Luke chapter 18. I'm in a series entitled The Short Stories of Jesus. The Short Stories of Jesus. Remember that one third of all of Jesus' teaching, this is an amazing fact to me, one third of all of Jesus' teaching, he taught with parables. Easy definition to remember what a parable is is simply an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. If you can remember that, that'll kind of help you to understand. Jesus didn't just tell stories to entertain. He gave stories so that he would take deep truths and bring them to light so that you and I can certainly understand. I heard David Jeremiah one time say, man, what a uh, difficult thing it is for a pastor uh, because, uh, you know, people judge on how many illustrations he gives. Uh, some people say, man, you tell too many stories. And then other people say, man, I love the stories. It just helps things come alive. Well, remember something when you get ready to make a judgment on that. Just remember that of all the teachings of Jesus, one-third he taught through stories. He taught through the parables. A parable has a central truth to it. Every parable has a moral to the story. Okay? Every parable had a moral to the story. A parable really functions in three ways, and this might be worth jotting down or remembering. Three ways that a parable really functions. A parable is a picture because we always see in it a real-life situation. A parable is not only a picture, it's also a mirror. Because every parable really is a story that you and I can see ourselves in. So it acts as a mirror as well. And then the third thing, it is like a window. Because in every parable, you can see God through it. You can see God. Friend, the way we worship reveals what we think of God. Did you know that? The way we worship reveals what we think of God, but it also reveals what we think of self. But not only does it reveal what we think of God and what we think of self, but it also reveals what we think of others. Now, we come to chapter 18, and Jesus is actually speaking to the people on a subject. You come to chapter 18, and this subject that he is speaking on is the subject of prayer. He comes and he really deals with that one central thing, prayer. Have you ever stopped to think of what a privileged prayer is? I mean, I mean, you know, who have you ever gotten to talk to and you got to spend time with them and maybe they were famous and you just thought, man, it was the greatest thing in the world? Big deal, Right? I mean, when you get right down to it, big deal. You and I can come and we can literally speak to the creator of the entire universe. We can speak to God and prayer is fellowship with him. I mean, I mean it's, it's like hanging out with God. We can literally hang out with God. Prayer is a privilege. Prayer is also an opportunity. Prayer is an opportunity. It's an opportunity for you to see things changed. I was reading, I'm reading through the Bible this year, and I uh, came across Moses. Remember when old Moses, uh, God was, he was just, he was just tired of the people of Israel, and he said, Moses, stand back, stand away, I'm going to destroy the people. What did Moses do? He went to praying for the people. Man, that's compassion. That's a heart. That's a pastor's heart, right? And he goes and he begins to just really pray for the people of Israel. And God said, I won't. And God didn't. Prayer is a privilege. Prayer is an opportunity. But prayer is also our responsibility. 
The Bible says men ought always to pray and not to faint. So Jesus has just finished giving a story about prayer. And don't miss this. The first eight verses, it's a story about persistency of prayer. Hey, do you have somebody you're praying for and nothing seems to change? You have somebody that you're praying for and it just seems like nothing in their life changes? Just keep on praying. Just keep on. How about a spouse? How about a wayward kid? Nothing seems to change and you've prayed for them. You know what Jesus' short story, the first one, talks about? It talks about just really, truly continuing to be persistent in prayer. Somebody came to me this past week and said, hey, I got to tell you a story. Uh, I ran into a guy and he said that he told me a story of how that uh, years ago, uh, a couple went into the uh, furniture store and wanted to buy some furniture. And uh, when that couple was leaving, they invited him to First Baptist Church of Glen Estee. The guy said to me, you know who that was? I said, no, not really. He said, it was you and your wife. I said, great. He said, but the guy, the story didn't stop. The guy said that sometime later, somebody else came into the church. This is true. I mean, I'm just telling you what he told me. He said, somebody else came into the uh, uh, furniture store and wanted to look at some more furniture. And when, he, when that couple was leaving, they said, hey, we go to church at First Baptist Church, Glen Estee. We'd love to have you come. And he said, that was another pastoral staff member. He said, but sometime later, about a year later, another couple came in and they, they were uh, just looking for some furniture. And when they were leaving, they said, hey, we go to First Baptist Glen Estee. We would love to have you. And he said it was another pastoral staff member. Man, that made me happy. <laughs> happy, happy, happy. You know what? He came one time. But you know what happened? He goes somewhere else now, got saved, goes somewhere else at another church and is faithful serving the Lord in his local church. I wonder who was praying for that guy. I wonder who consistently, persistently prayed for that individual. Well, Jesus gives a story as he begins in verse one through eight and he talks about the persistency of prayer. But now he goes into another story. Another parable. Oh, it's still about prayer, but it's about pride and humility. Pride and humility. This is a short story. I don't know that I've ever heard anybody preach on it. Maybe you have. I, I don't know that I have. I've heard many uh, you know, sermons allude to it, but I've never heard a sermon on this. And when I was going through, there's so many parables and so many short stories that I had to choose from and pick out about eight to 10 of them. And uh, you know, how do you know? And yeah, I just prayed and, and I really felt led to preach on this one. And so I hope you'll open your heart. You may be a follower of Jesus Christ today and I ask that you would open your heart today. You may be one here today and you're only here to please somebody else and you're just sitting there and it's like, please, I'm just doing my time. I want to ask you to just do everything you can to stay tuned and to ask God to speak into your heart because this parable applies to all of us. Let me, before I read the text, give you a present day comparison of what this parable speaks of. The first guy, he has a Bible in hand and he walks into church and he acts like he knows everything about the church because he does. He's there every time the doors are open. He knows every song that's sung. He knows every pastoral staff member. He knows everyone and he shakes everybody's hand because everybody knows him. He's grown up in the church. He's the example of the local church. He's never drank, he's never smoked, he's never done drugs, he's never been involved in promiscuity. He's there, and he's very comfortable being there. In fact, he's more comfortable being in church than any other place. He's comfortable with nothing to be ashamed of. I mean, nothing. A second guy walks in. And it's obvious that he knows very little about the church. 
His clothes are different. His hair is different. His smell is different. And it's evident that he really doesn't know when you're supposed to stand, when you're supposed to sit, what you're supposed to do. He's just not very familiar. He doesn't know the songs. He doesn't really know where Luke is. Maybe I think it's somewhere in the New Testament, but I don't even know if the New Testament comes first or if it comes last. His facial expressions reveal that he's really not that comfortable. But in the middle of the service, all of a sudden, tears well up in his eyes. His face turns red. And the guilt of sin is all over him. His hands end up holding his head as he can hardly handle the shame that he feels. Let's begin reading in Luke chapter 18, verse 9. And he spake this parable unto certain and underline the next couple words. He spake this parable unto certain which trusted in themselves. Underline that. Who trusted in themselves. That they were righteous. And because they are so righteous, guess what? They despised others. They just despised others. All right, here's Jesus' story now. Two men went up into the temple to pray. The one was a Pharisee and the other a publican. The Pharisee, he stood and prayed thus with himself. Here's his prayer. God, I thank you that I am not as other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, even like this publican. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I possess. But the publican standing afar off would not even lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven. But rather he smote his breast saying, Oh God, be merciful to me a sinner. Jesus said, I want to tell you something. This man went down to his house justified rather than the other, for everyone that exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. First of all, there's a place, and both these guys are kind of admirable because they both go to the temple. Both of these guys have a heart that says, I need to be in the temple. They both knew that they needed to go to the house of worship where they could maybe meet God. And oh, they thought, that's the place. I can go to the temple. I'm going today. But let me remind you that just because you go to the right place doesn't mean that you are right with God. The temple was filled on this day, no doubt. The temple is filled Man, you go to the temple of Jerusalem and you're going to find that the temple of Jerusalem, it was filled almost every day as people went up to the temple of God. It was filled kind of like what oftentimes First Baptist Church is with people roaming the halls and it's full and it's filled and people come. And... But Jesus picks two people out for his story. He picks two people out in order to give you and I an earthly meaning of a, a, a heaven, an earthly story of a heavenly meaning. It's a story that represents the hearts of two groups of people. So let's notice the story that he gives that has this amazing heavenly meaning. There's two people. First of all, let's talk about the Pharisee. Let's notice this guy, okay? You with me still? Here's this Pharisee, and we hear the word Pharisee, and what do you think of? When I hear the word Pharisee, I think hypocrite. When you hear the word Pharisee, you think, oh my goodness. But let me tell you, the only reason why we think that is because we know the New Testament. 
Let me tell you what people of the day thought. When they heard the word Pharisee, or they saw a man who was a Pharisee, they thought of people who were the highest of the high. I mean, a Pharisee was a member of a very, very highly esteemed group of people in the Jewish society. A Pharisee, let me tell you, he loved the law. A Pharisee, he attempted to abide by the law. And in the Jewish society, he was very, very highly thought of. Do not miss that point. The Pharisee was looked up to as a churchman, a Bible teacher, obedient to what he taught. He was looked at and known as a man who was a giver. Oh, we have a need here at the temple. Pharisee, I'll give. He was religious to all. The one everybody ran to when they had a dire prayer request. Oh, Mr. Pharisee, will you pray for my loved one? I want to tell you, the guy was prominent in society, okay? But there's something else about this Pharisee in this story that Jesus gives. Not only is he prominent, but he's also proud. Really proud. You see, a Pharisee's good works caused him to be very, very proud of himself. We'll see how proud in just a moment. I don't want to spend too much time right here, right now, on his pride. But let me just tell you that in God's eyes and in God's sight, pride is not a small sin. We list certain things, you know, that are uh, murder and, and being a thief and adultery and all these different things. We list them. Let me tell you how God lists them. He puts pride right up at the top. The top. It's one of the sins God hates most. How did Satan become Satan? How did Lucifer become Satan? Pride. How is it that Adam and Eve, living in a perfect society of the Garden of Eden, how did they get kicked out of the garden? You say, well, because they ate of the tree uh, uh, you know, that was forbidden. Why did they eat of the tree? Because Satan said, God's holding out on you. If you'll eat of this tree, you'll be like God. So they ate. Pride. Now let me quickly show you the other guy, the publican. And oh, how opposite these two guys are. You can't be any more opposite than these two guys, the Pharisee and the publican. The Publican, he, he, he's, listen, you got to know this. He's a Jew. And here's the thing that was insane about this guy. Guess who he was employed by? The Romans. Hey, the Jews hated the Romans. The Romans ruled over all of the Jewish people. The Romans ruled over Israel. They hated Rome, but they were, Rome was so powerful that nobody could do anything about it. So they took, Rome would take a Jewish man and he would call him a, a, a publican. You're my tax collector. We employ you. And here's how it worked. You talk about a gig. The Romans said, as a government, I want you to go and you are to go to all of the people of the Jewish race and you are to go and collect this amount of tax and you are to bring this amount of tax back to the Roman government and we own them. You are to collect the taxes but the Roman government also said we don't care how much you collect. Here's what we want you to collect from those people but if you want to collect this much you can keep that. It's up to you. What would you do if you were a publican, same thing these guys did. You made a wealthy, wealthy living off of being a tax collector. The publicans were hated. The tax collectors were despised. And Jesus is coming now, and he's sharing with us, and oh, yet, how we get the wrong opinion of people. How we get a wrong judgment on people. Jesus shares in this story this misconception of people. And he reveals so much regarding these two individuals. The Pharisee and the publican. The tax collector. And you know how Jesus reveals the difference in these two guys? 
He shows us their prayer. He gives to us what these two guys prayed. First of all, we find in verse 11 and 12, the Pharisee's prayer. Read it with me. The Pharisee stood and he prayed thus with himself. God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this publican. Lord, I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I possess. All right, here's this guy's prayer. It's it's short. Jesus doesn't belabor this point, but he doesn't need to. He tells us, this guy's standing up, and proudfully, he says, Lord, I'm so glad I'm not an extortioner. Well, the publican was. He says, oh, Lord, I am so glad I am not unjust. Well, the publican was. Lord, I thank you that I am not an adulterer. Well, Probably the publican was even that. This Pharisee is so thankful as he looked across the vast temple room and he saw this tax collector and he said, thank you God that I am not like him. There's two things that he said that he did do. He said, I'm so glad I'm not this, but I am so glad that I am this. And he talks about two things in his prayer. He says, number one, I fast two times a week. Now you say, hey, have you ever fasted? It's not that easy. It's withholding something that you enjoy in order to spend that time with God. There's a lot of different ways you can fast. And this guy says, Lord, you know that I fast two times a week. You want to know what's so great about that? Here's what's so great about it. The Jewish people were required to fast one time a year. This Pharisee is saying, Lord, I fast 104 times a year. He also brought up the fact that I tithe. Not do I tithe, but I tithe of all that I possess. The Jewish people were required to tithe 10% of their income. And this Pharisee, he says, Lord, I tithe of all that I possess. Okay, it's one thing for you to tithe of what you made this past week. It's another thing for you to go and tithe of everything that your house is worth, your car is worth, your 401k is worth, your 403b is worth. You get the point. But there's two things that this prayer of this Pharisee reveals. Number one, it reveals a very wrong perspective from his soul. A very wrong perspective. By the way, don't miss in verse 11, it says he prayed with himself. The Greek literally means that he prayed to himself. He thought he was praying to God. Oh God, I'm so glad that I... But he actually was just talking to himself. How sad. I wonder how many times we pray and we're just talking to ourselves. He thought he was just really reaching God. Friend, the only person that God sends away empty are those people who come to him so full. Full. Oh, how sad it is to think that you're worshiping God when you're actually not. And the Pharisee majors on three items of obedience. Stay with me. Three items of obedience. Number one, he comforts himself in what he thinks he's not. Thank you, Lord, I'm not an extortioner. I'm not unjust. I'm not an adulterer. I'm not. And he comforts himself in what he thinks he's not. But then he congratulates himself on what he has done. He's such a disciplined man. And then he compares himself to what he thinks of others. He says, Lord, I'm so glad I am not like self-justification. 
May God help us to remember that it is not what others think of us, but what God knows about us. And this guy felt so good. I mean, this guy felt so right. He was so accustomed to being there, and he was so used to being this way. But oh, what a false view he had of himself. These three items of obedience actually were a detriment to him because he went in so proud. He went in so, I'm glad I'm not this, and I'm not that, and I'm not that, and I'm so grateful, Lord. And he's just so proud, but the obedience was actually a, a detriment. A detriment to the Pharisee seeing himself like God saw him. And he's actually living in oblivion. Friend, he's living in oblivion. Asbury College, Asbury University, you've seen it in the news, you've seen the, heard the talk. Uh, people ask me what my judgment is on it. I have none. I don't, I don't have any. All I say to you and to me is I am grateful to see people who want to seek God. They want to seek God. You know how that started? A university student using his talent? I don't know if he was a one-talent guy or two-talent guy or a five. I don't know. But I know one thing. He was willing to use his talent. And he stood up before the student body and he gave a devotional. He said, yes, I'm willing to do that. I don't know who asked. I don't know the story behind it. But he was willing to use his talent. But do you know the rest of the story? Another student somewhere in that Chapel Hour stood up and ripped away the facade of his hypocrisy and he repented before the student body like the publican. There was a wrong perspective from the Pharisee, but there was also wretched pride. Do you know this guy had a real eye problem? I don't mean an eye problem, I mean an eye problem. Five different times in this short little prayer, you find the word I. Five times, I, 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 I. Five times in a short little prayer. And Jesus makes sure in the story that he brings out the fact that this guy has an I problem. He had inflated, he had an inflated view of who he was. He had a deflated view of who God was, and he had a deflated view of who others were. This Pharisee had fooled himself to the nth degree. God, I thank thee that I'm not like other men. You want to know the problem with that? He was like other men. Because the Bible says, for all have sinned, and we have all of us come short of the glory and the standard of God. This Pharisee actually had a a good eye on himself, but he had a bad eye on others, and really he had no eye on God. Pride. Are you proud? I ask myself, am I proud? It's, It's sometimes it's hard to know, isn't it? Even when you do some self-examination, which is good for all of us to do. Examinations come so that we can evaluate ourselves. You want to know what God would put on the examination of whether we're proud or not? Do you murmur about others? Are you negative about other people and ministries. I'm telling you, read the Old Testament and I'm telling you, read about Korah. He said, Moses, you're not the only one that can lead here. I can lead here. And God said, Moses, just step aside. I'll take care of him. And God did. God did. 
people that go around and there's jealousy in their heart about other people because other people are asked to do certain things. Do you cut people down? Thinking if you can slice them down far enough that it makes you elevated Do you inflate and have an inflated view of yourself? Don Shula, he's a great football coach. Man, I I loved uh, watching the Miami Dolphins when I was a teenager. And Don Shula was just, he was an amazing coach. When, When they were at their height and Don Shula was coaching them. He couldn't go anywhere without people mobbing, mobbing him and wanting to, you know, uh, get his autograph and just talk to him. And, and uh, he was worn out. And he said that on one occasion, he and his wife decided to take a vacation. And they couldn't go many places where they weren't going to be mobbed. And so they went to a small uh, little town that was really uh, quaint and that was small and where they could just get some relaxation. But they decided to go to a movie one night. And so he put on a hat and he went in with sunglasses on. And all of a sudden, the people that were waiting for the movie, they stood up and they applauded. And Shula sat down next to the guy and he said to the guy, I didn't think anybody up here would recognize me. The guy next to him said, well, who are you? (laughs) Shula said, I'm Don Shula. I'm the head football coach of the Miami Dolphins. And the guy next to him said, well, it's really nice to meet you but we didn't know who you were. Shula said, then why did everybody stand up and applaud? He said, because the manager said that if at least two more people didn't come into the movie, we weren't going to show it. (laughs) Pride. I heard about the lady who came to her pastor, and she seemed to be so sincere. She said, Pastor, will you pray for me? I have a real problem with uh, pride and he said well tell me about it she said whenever I come to church every Sunday I just have this pride that wells up within me because I know that I'm the prettiest woman in the church he said ma'am that's not only a sin but it's a mistake (laughs) are you proud Lord, am I proud? This Pharisee was so prominent. He knew how to pray. And he knew how to pray in a proud way. Now Jesus says, let me tell you about the public and the other guy. Let me, let me tell you, Jesus says, here's this story, and it's a short story. Uh, we call it a parable, and Jesus said, let me tell you about the other guy. His, he's a publican. He's a tax collector. Let me tell you about his prayer. This publican was a humble, and he was ashamed. There's three ways that his humility was seen. Number one, where he stood. Do you see that Jesus, in his details of this, he says this guy came in and he stood afar off. The Pharisee, he stood up and he stood out and he stood in the sunshine. The publican, he stood in the shadow. Not only do we see his humility and where he stood, but we see his humility and what he himself saw. He would not so much, Jesus says, as lift up his eyes to heaven. The Pharisee, the Pharisee was so proud. He was too proud to look up. The publican, he was too ashamed to look up. This tax collector came in with utter humility, not even knowing if he should be there. 
heard about the guy who was a very rich man, and he invited a lot of important people to a great banquet. When the people arrived, they had, he had this banquet table that was a mile long, and chairs down both rows, and one chair at the head table where he would sit. He said to the people, he said, I, I want you to decide where you're going to sit. I don't have assigned seats, but I want you to decide where you're going to sit. And I want you to decide by the one who is the most important to sit towards the head. And you guys decide that. You know what he did then? He left the room. Came back in. Sure enough, they sure were. I mean, the most important, and the next most important, and then the next important, and the next important. And he stood there at the head table, and he looked at them, and he picked up his chair and carried it to the other end of the table. Isn't that pretty much what Jesus tells us? All of us should seat ourselves at the opposite end of the table. I'll tell you why. Because all of us are unworthy. Every single one of us. And if we don't see ourselves as unworthy, we will never see in wonderful ways the grace of God in a personal way. Only by the grace of God can we worship God and really see God and know God. I mean, think about Paul. Paul comes in and, man, he's been saved. He was a Pharisee. He was a guy who had Christians killed and martyred. But God miraculously saved this man and Paul was knocked to the ground. Saul was knocked to the ground and he became a humble man and he saw Jesus for who he was and God saved him right then and there. God said, I want you now to go out to the desert for three years and just kind of live out there. Why? Probably a lot of reasons. Probably so he would be safe. But mainly so he could learn. And God taught him, and God taught him one, two, three years out in the desert in a place where nobody knew where he was, and he comes back. You know what he said about himself? He said, God's called me to be an apostle. He starts his ministry. You read the book of Acts, and you see what God has done to this man and with this man and amazing ways that he is serving the Lord. But as he went on, he didn't say, I'm an apostle. Later on in his ministry, he said, I'm the least of the apostles. He continued to serve and walk with God and be persecuted for it and take his stand for the Lord. And he became a leader. And as he went on further into the ministry, he said, hey, I'm the less, I am less than the least of the apostles. Came to the end of his life. Said, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. You say, that's pride. No, 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 no. The end of his life, you know what he said? He didn't say anything about even being an apostle. He said, I'm the chief of sinners. Jesus tells this story. And now he comes to the very last verse, verse 14. And I want you to see the paradox. They're in the temple. That's the place. We see two people. Publican, Pharisee. We see two prayers. One filled with pride. One that can hardly make his way into the temple because of humility. And here's Jesus' point. Here's the whole point of his story because there's always a point to the story, right? And he comes to the end of this short story and he says in verse 1, I want to tell you something. This man went down to his house, this publican, this tax collector, filled with humility, he went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone that exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. You know what? Hey, 
Let's just get right down to the bare bones. One guy's prayer didn't make it any higher than the temple ceiling. The publican's prayer made it all the way past the temple ceiling, all the way up to the throne of God. Someone once said, the highway to heaven is paved with the concrete of humility. The publican, his prayer was, dear God, I need mercy. Lord, I need your mercy. I am nobody. I don't deserve anything. Mercy is what every one of us should plead for. Mercy is the criteria for answered prayer. Mercy is the criteria for assured pardon. Are you a child of God? Do you know for sure that you're going to heaven? I want to tell you, my friend, until you understand there's not one lick of anything worthy in you that deserves heaven, you've got to get there and understand that that's when you can be a born-again child of God, when you call upon him to save your soul. From everybody else's eyes, eh, it was a Pharisee. He was the one close to God. From God's eyes, it was a publican that God said, he's close to me. Psalm 34, verse 18 says, The Lord is near, the Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart. And God saveth such as of a contrite spirit there's a French proverb that provides insight into worship here's what it says short it says a good meal ought to begin with hunger Man, how that applies to us. You want to know God? May God help us to be hungry. Last two Sunday nights, we've gathered here together. Again, I didn't care if there were 10 people that showed up. I didn't. I just wanted to say, Lord, we're hungry for you. I mean, if you were here, you know, these two sections are full. Two Sunday nights in a row, just to say, Lord, we need you. Lord, we don't have anything to offer you. Lord God in heaven, feed us. Meet with us. We hunger for you. Let me tell you one story from the New Testament and I'll be done. This is not a parable. This is what really happened. There's a difference. Stories of the Bible where Jesus met with people. Stories of the Bible that Jesus told of just to give a point, to teach. One day Jesus is teaching and He's before a mob of people like he always was. He couldn't go anywhere where the mobs didn't follow him. They wanted to hear him. Man, they, everybody heard about Jesus, but we want to hear him. We want to see him. We want to... And so Jesus is there, and he's teaching the people, and all of a sudden, a, a, a woman, a woman makes her way somehow through the crowd, and she gets there where Jesus is. And Jesus tells us about her. I wonder why. She had a disease. In fact, Jesus says she had a disease for 12 years. And she got desperate. Really desperate. She finds her way to Jesus Christ. And she touched him. Jesus said, 
who touched me. She didn't want to say, me. He said, who touched me? You know where you find that woman? The Bible says specifically she touched the hem of Jesus' garment. That tells us something. She didn't touch his shoulder. She didn't touch his back. She got so low she could not get any lower. And she touched the hem of his garment. I want to tell you something. Friend, please look at me. Listen to me. Pride is the greatest hindrance to finding hope in hard times. And pride is the greatest hindrance to finding Christ. She got in the posture of absolute humility. I say to you today, through this short story of Jesus Christ that he tells us, May God help you and may God help me to grab the hem of the garment of Christ and then watch his mercy flow. I got thinking about this today or this week. I don't know if I read this. I probably read it. And things just then kind of lodge in all of our brains and too many things don't lodge in my brain. <laughs> but I got thinking, when we seek revival, we probably won't see Jesus. But when we seek Jesus, we'll probably know revival. All that we have available to us because of the grace and the mercy and the power of God. But when we find ourselves through success becoming proud, it will take us to a place that will not benefit our life. So I say to us today, in fact, I say to God today on behalf of all of us, Lord, help us to be humble. Because God does not bless the proud. Father, I ask and I pray that you might help us to be strong in the Lord and in the power of thy might. God, pride doesn't mean we walk around with our heads down. In fact, Paul said, I can do all things through Christ. And Father, we, we can do all things through you. We, we can do all things through you. But it's only through you. God, we got to get low, and I pray that you might help us to get so low that we would touch the hem of the garment of your Son and see the mercy of God and the grace of God and the power of God. And Lord, I'm asking and praying that you might help us to seek you like the publican who had nothing to offer you. So he cried out for mercy. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. And there may be some here today, and I'm sure there are, that need the mercy of God for salvation. If you were to breathe your last breath, like the individual this past week that went to bed, and never woke up 
If that were you, would you, would you be in heaven? If Jesus were to come back today, would you be in heaven? Or would you remain here to get ready to go through hell on earth, the tribulation? Friend, there's still time for you to have and call upon the mercy of God. You have nothing to offer the Lord. Not your church membership, not your baptism, not your good works, not your money. I'm going to guess the tax collector, he was a rich dude. Don't you think? He'd skimmed off these people for years. He didn't offer God money. He begged for mercy. He saw his sin. Oh, it wasn't the sin of adultery. It wasn't the sin of You know what? I don't know what your sin is, and it doesn't matter what your sin is. All I know is we're all sinners. We're all sinners. And we've come short of God's standard. And friend, I'm here to tell you good news. Jesus will save your soul today if you will come to him. You say, hey, Pastor, how can I do that? Let me tell you how. I want to tell you how right now. You've got to acknowledge to Jesus that you are a sinner. And then you've got to call upon Jesus to become your Savior. And here's how you can do that. If you'll pray a prayer from your heart to the Lord right there in your seat. Or if you're online watching, if you'll pray this prayer, Dear Lord God, I know I'm a sinner. And I know I do not deserve your grace. But I do believe that you loved me. You died for me. to save me and Lord Jesus right now I'm asking you to come into my life and save my soul because you're the only way if you'll pray that in Jesus name right now friend he'll save your soul we hope you enjoyed today's teaching from God's word before you go if you were encouraged by today's podcast please rate and review it so more people can discover the message of Christ's love Thanks again for listening.